0: You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch.
1: Uh, good afternoon, my name is Stuart. I'm going to, about to do the Bible reading from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. So John 15, 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learnt from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command love each other uh, thanks Stuart let's move
0: this mic back slightly hopefully that doesn't help. good afternoon everyone uh, if you don't know me my name's Aaron and one of the pastors here at DPC and uh, special welcome uh, to anyone who's visiting today especially to celebrate 10 years of DPC uh, it's' A mark of God's kindness that we're even still here, let alone having grown. So, uh, praise God. Uh, please, uh, it'd be great if you have John chapter 15 open if you don't already have it open. Uh, we have the online welcome card that Alex mentioned earlier. On there, there's an outline of my sermon. So, if you're the sort of listener who likes to follow along with a kind of written, logical plan in front of you, then you might find that useful. Uh, but what we all need is is to bring this time to the Lord in prayer. So, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that this afternoon uh, that you would take up your word by the power of your spirit, uh, making it alive in our hearts and minds uh, such uh, that we see afresh the glory of who Jesus, your son, is. Open our eyes, Father, to see Jesus as the true vine, apart from whom uh, no life and satisfaction can be found. And help us, Father, to see how Jesus, the true vine, uh, what he might want for DPC, Uh, in the next 10 years. Uh, In his name we pray. Amen. As I sort of flagged it there in my prayer, I I wonder what you think Jesus wants for DPC in the next 10 years. Uh, If you've been around DPC for a while, uh, you'll know that I'm pretty good at looking forward and not as good at looking back and giving thanks. Uh, So I reckon we've spent enough time looking back and giving thanks uh, to the Lord for all that he's done in and through DPC. It's time to look forward what about the next 10 years? We've given thanks for the past 10 years. What about the next 10 years? What does Jesus want for DPC in the next 10 years? And I think the answer from today's passage from John's Gospel is that Jesus wants DPC to keep bearing lots of lasting fruit. That's what Jesus wants. He wants DPC to keep bearing lots of of lasting fruit. Uh, hopefully, you will see that in the passage. Uh, you might remember, if you are a regular here at DPC, we're working through this section of John's Gospel, John chapters thirteen to seventeen. Uh, it's sometimes called the Upper Room Discourse, uh, which sounds very sophisticated and like the sort of thing that you learn when you go to Bible college. Uh, but it really just means that Jesus is in the upstairs room of a house in Jerusalem. He's preparing his 11 apostles, his closest friends, for his imminent departure in his suffering and death. And what's clear from this passage is that when Jesus leaves his disciples, he wants them to be fruitful, to bear fruit. So just, just scan a few selected verses through the passage. Take a look in verse 2. Uh, you'll see there in verse 2 uh, that's the aim of God the Father that we would be fruitful. God the Father, who in the image of the vine or the vineyard in this passage uh, is the gardener, and Jesus says that God his Father in verse 2 cuts off every branch in him uh, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So God the Father's aim isn't just that we as his people would bear some fruit, but that we as his people would be even more fruitful that we bear lots of fruit. Now, at this stage, we don't know exactly what that fruit is, but it's clear that fruitfulness is a priority for God the Father. Uh, so it follows, uh, look, if you scan down to verse 8, uh, Jesus said that this fruitfulness glorifies his Father. Notice verse 8, This is to my Father's glory, that you would bear much fruit, lots of fruit. Uh, in fact, the second half of verse 8 at the second half of verse 8, Jesus says uh, that bearing fruit is how we show ourselves to be his disciples. And right down towards the end of the passage in verse 16, Jesus says uh, he chose us that we might go and bear fruit. Notice it's fruit that will last, fruit that remains, eternal fruit. So in the past 10 years, DPC's seen some encouraging growth. We really do look back and praise God for that, and it's really appropriate for us to do that today. But what about the next 10 years? Jesus wants DPC to keep bearing lots of lasting fruit. How's that going to happen? That's an important question. How is DPC going to keep bearing fruit that brings honour and praise to God? Well, what's clear from this passage is it's not going to be primarily about us. Now take a look in verse 4. Jesus says, uh, No branch can bear fruit by itself. Uh, Oops, sorry. It must remain in the vine. Uh, Neither can you bear fruit uh, unless you remain in me. Likewise, verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, If you remain in me uh, and I in you, uh, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do Nothing. So if DPC is going to bear, keep bearing fruit that brings honour and praise to our Heavenly Father, it's not going to be primarily about us, about what we do, about what I do. It's not going to be primarily about having a cutting edge strategy or the best cultural analysis about how hard we work or how much we sacrifice. Those things are important. We are called to think clearly and strategically and wisely about the ministry that we do, of course. We're called to sacrifice for the cause of the gospel and selflessly love and serve others. All of that's important. But if we want to see the fruit that Jesus is speaking about in this passage in the next 10 years, it's not going to be primarily about those things. Why? Because this fruit is supernatural fruit. It's fruit that cannot be generated by our own human efforts. It's fruit that can only be produced by being deeply connected with Jesus, the true vine. So it's not primarily about us. It's all about Jesus, which is why when Stu read through this passage, you might have noticed the word that occurs most in this passage, perhaps aside from the word fruit, is the word remain, remain. Jesus is driving home this truth that if his disciples in that day and in this day want to bear this fruit that brings glory and praise to God our Father, if that's going to happen, it's going to be because we are deeply connected and remain deeply connected with him as the true vine. So here's my kind of full big idea for today. What does Jesus want for DPC in the next 10 years? He wants DPC to remain in him together so that we can keep bearing lots of lasting fruit. That's what Jesus wants for us. So what does this look like for us to remain in Jesus together? If that's so important, if we can't bear any fruit unless we're connected with Jesus and remaining in him together, then it seems important to understand what it means to be connected with Jesus and remain in him. So let me suggest four things from the passage. First, we've got to humbly accept that Jesus is the true vine and we are just branches. Humbly accept that Jesus is the true vine and we are just branches. So take a look in verse 1. Jesus, I'm preaching a little bit differently today. You might have noticed jumping around the passage a little. I hope you can follow where I'm going. Uh, So verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I emphasize that because this is the last of the seven what are called the I am sayings in John's Gospel. You can look them up later on, but there's I am the bread of life in John chapter 6. I am the light of the world in John chapter 8. I am the gate in John chapter 10, followed by I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, which we heard about from Pete uh, a couple of weeks ago. And now I am the true vine. Now, of course, in the Old Testament, if you were one of Jesus' apostles who are all Jewish, uh, they're listening to Jesus say in the, this upper room in Jerusalem, hey, I am the true vine, they're hearing that, they would have automatically thought of God's people Israel in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, God's people Israel were often depicted as a vine or a vineyard. And the only problem was that Israel uh, never really consistently produced the good fruit that God wanted them to. And they often produced a whole lot of bad fruit that was worthy of God's judgment. Uh, So you can read a classic example of that later on, if you like, in Isaiah chapter 5, where Israel, the vineyard, is condemned by God. Uh, So at the end of the Old Testament, you you would probably come to the conclusion uh, that Israel, in a sense, was a false vine, in that they weren't able to consistently produce the good fruit that God desired. So when Jesus' apostles hear him say, I am the true vine, it's not just a nice kind of agricultural metaphor that Jesus knew his apostles would resonate with because, you know, they'd seen the vineyard up the street or something. It's actually Jesus saying, I am God himself in human form. I am the great I am, the Lord of the Old Testament who has taken on flesh to become the true vine of the source of life and satisfaction to everyone who connects with me. I am the vine, Jesus is saying, who not only consistently in every moment of every day produces good fruit myself, unlike any of us, I'm the one who enables anyone who's connected to me to bear good fruit also. So for us to keep bearing spiritual fruit here at DPC that brings honour and praise to God, we've got to humbly accept that we are completely dependent on Jesus. We're just branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. A second in verse 3, we see uh, that we can uh, remain in Jesus together. The first step about connecting with Jesus is ensuring that you're a live pruned and fruitful branch, uh, to use the imagery of the passage. So take a look in verse 3. Jesus says, uh, he says to his disciples, you guys are already clean because uh, of the word that I have spoken to you. Now, if you've got your own Bible open, uh, you might be able to look at verse 2. Uh, Where there's a little footnote, uh, and you'll see there uh, that the word translated as pruned in verse 2 is the same Greek word that's translated as clean in verse 3. Now, that's a little bit helpful because I don't think Jesus is particularly speaking uh, about how his disciples have been purified or washed clean. In verse 3, he did that back with the foot washing in John chapter 13. Here he's saying uh, that by the power of his word, his disciples have already, because they've believed in his word and trusted his word, uh, they've already been brought into a deep spiritual connection with him, like a branch uh, that's been grafted into a true vine. Uh, So they already have that deep spiritual connection with Jesus and they've already been pruned or cleaned back so that they're starting to bear fruit. Spiritually speaking, Jesus' apostles are live, clean, and fruitful branches. I wonder if that's you. I wonder if you know what it is to have a real spiritual connection with Jesus. To experience the life of Jesus pulsating through your life because you've been united with him by faith. Are you a live, clean, and fruitful branch? Or or to use Jesus' language here, are you a dead branch? There are those branches, dead, unpruned, and unfruitful branches. Notice verse 2, Jesus says, The Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. There are branches that are dead, that don't have the life of Jesus in them. Verse 6, Jesus says, If you do not remain in me, uh, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. So it's very possible to be connected with God's people in some way, isn't it? It's possible to be someone who regularly goes along to church and uh, sings the songs and says the prayers, says amen, uh, maybe even serves in a ministry team of some kind, and everybody in the church just assumes that you're a Christian. They assume that you've got a real living relationship with the Lord Jesus, who's the true vine. But here Jesus is saying that God the Father sees those who are really connected to Jesus, his son. He sees those who really have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And sooner or later, the warning here from Jesus is that God the Father will cut off from his people every branch that is dead and that doesn't bear fruit. And he'll throw it on a pile. And this is the really confronting thing. One day, all those who are spiritually withering away, like the flowers that Alex had up here earlier, will be picked up and thrown into the fires of God's judgment. That's the intensity of Jesus' image here. That's not very popular to talk about, is it? Why would Jesus, the one who's supposed to be full of love and mercy and compassion, talk about such a horrible picture of God's judgment for those who aren't connected with him as the true vine? Well, because he does love us. He wants us to escape the judgment of God and know the life and satisfaction and joy that comes from being connected with him. He loves us too much to not tell us the hard truth. So let me ask you today, are you a live, pruned and fruitful branch? I'm not saying are you a bit religious or do you consider yourself to be spiritual? Do you like coming to church or hanging out with Christians? Right, those things are important. I'm saying, do you have a real relationship with Jesus, where his life is your life, where you are his and he is yours, like a vine and a branch? Now, let me say, if your honest answer to that today is no, there's no shame in that, but please sort that out today. Repent and believe in Jesus To repent is to turn away from your life of stubbornly living independently from Jesus, as if somehow you were the exception to the rule. You're a branch who can actually live and thrive and flourish without being connected to a vine. Well, actually, you're not. To repent is to turn away from that life and to turn towards Jesus in faith. That's to believe, to humbly accept the true life, the deepest life and satisfaction is found only in being connected with Jesus, who is the true vine. And let me urge you to do that today. If you know that you don't have this real and living relationship with Jesus, repent and believe in him Today. That's the first step. We've got to be connected with Jesus if we're going to re- remain in him together. Uh, fourth, uh, we can remain in Jesus together uh, by receiving the painful pruning of our loving heavenly Father. And notice verse 2. I've read it a couple of times already. Uh, the Father prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it will be even more fruitful. So even if spiritual, spiritually speaking, you've sorted out what I've just been speaking about. You're a live, uh, pruned and fruitful branch. You're starting to bear fruit. Jesus says, our heavenly father will prune you so that you will be even more fruitful. And as the image suggests, the process of pruning is often painful. It's certainly been painful for me throughout my whole Christian life, but even in the last couple of years. As our Heavenly Father has drawn near to me and he's cut into my life, he's shown me my many, my many weaknesses, not all of them yet, of course, my sins, he's shown me my failings and my flaws, and all of that's really painful. When your Heavenly Father is pruning into you, it cuts deep, it hurts, especially when you see how your failings have affected other people. It really does. And so we've got to, when this process of painful pruning is happening, we've got to remind one another that it's actually a sign that we really are spiritually alive and connected with Jesus and that our Heavenly Father loves us and he's drawing near to us because he wants us to be even more fruitful. As I said, over the past couple of years in particular, it's been the most intense period of pruning I've ever experienced. In particular, I think God, our Father, has been pruning away a sense of pride and self-sufficiency in my life. Maybe it takes a certain um, arrogance to think, hey, we're just going to go and plant a church. Perhaps that's part of me, but my Heavenly Father's been showing that to me. And revealing it. And and as much as I might have stood up in the past and said, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, I've probably acted and lived and done ministry at times as if, well, maybe actually I can do something apart from Jesus. You know, thanks Jesus for helping me out, but I've kind of got this covered. And it's been painful to have that revealed to me. And I think we as a church in the past few years have had some painful processes of pruning as our Heavenly Father through various processes and conversations uh, has shown us some of our, like there's been lots to give thankful, thanks for in the last 10 years, but there have been challenges and there have been areas of failing and weakness and even sin that we've had to own as a church and say sorry for uh, and seek to grow and be even more fruitful. Uh, so we remain in the Lord Jesus together as we accept the painful pruning of our loving Heavenly Father. Uh, Lots of people on our street uh, like to keep roses uh, and their aim is that their roses would be even more fruitful. And so I see them. They're out there, they tenderly take their roses in their hands and they kind of prune them that they might live and thrive and, and flourish to their maximum. That's what our Heavenly Father's like with us as individuals and as a church he draws near to us, he tenderly takes us in his hands and he prunes us, Jesus says. Because he's hard for us is that we would bear even more fruit. Wonderful fruit. But what is that fruit? Well, that's what I want to spend the rest of the time speaking about. Uh, you could group uh, the fruit that uh, Jesus speaks about in this passage to use some labels that we sometimes talk about here at DPC uh, into the kind of baskets of maturity and mission. So first, five aspects of this wonderful fruit of Christian maturity that Jesus wants to see all the more of in DPC in the next 10 years. The first is in verse 7, Jesus wants to see our church full of people whose hearts are full of his word. That's the fruit that he wants to see, one of the fruits. So he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So a church that is deeply connected with Jesus the true vine is a church that's full of people whose hearts are full of Jesus' words, whose heart, uh, Jesus' words uh, remain in their hearts, abides in their hearts. This is why it's really important that in the next 10 years we keep prioritizing all the different ministries of the word in our church preaching the word on Sundays, gospel communities, connect groups, one-to-one Bible reading, uh, you know, kids and youth ministries, personal Bible reading, all of that, it's through all of these uh, kind of broad and diverse and rich word ministries uh, that Jesus' words will remain in our hearts and fill our hearts uh, to such an extent that we'll actually want what Jesus wants, uh, which is why that a church that is full of Jesus' words is also a church that is full of prayer. Notice verse 7, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, uh, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If your heart is full of Jesus' words, you will have so much to pray for. This is a key sign of a church that has a life-giving union with Jesus, the true vine. And it has to be this way because what does it mean to accept that you're a branch and Jesus is the true vine? It's to accept that you are completely dependent on Jesus. And if nothing else, that must drive us to pray. As John Calvin said, how can you come to a 10th anniversary celebration in a Presbyterian church without a quote from John Calvin? So here it is. John Calvin says, in prayer... Our hearts hearts become accustomed in every need to fleeing to Christ as to a sacred anchor for our souls. Prayer has a way of teaching us that we are just branches and Jesus is the true vine, that we're completely dependent on him. May this increasingly be true of us as a church, as individuals, as a church as a whole, as we want to see various areas of our life and ministries flourish all the more, uh, we ought to be fleeing to Christ, bringing all of our needs to him, crying out to him, saying, Jesus, apart from you, we truly can do nothing. I mean, we can do lots of stuff. We can be busy doing things. But apart from Jesus, it will produce no spiritual fruit. A third verse ten, Jesus wants to see the fruit of obedience. That is verse ten. He says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. As God's son, uh, Jesus expressed his love for God, his father, uh, by obeying his commands. And Jesus says that in doing that, he remained in his father's love, which is maybe a bit confusing. It might make us seem like somehow if Jesus slipped up, he was going to be cut off from the love of his father. I mean, that's not what he's saying. I think he's saying that, that because of his consistent uh, and complete obedience to his father, he continually enjoyed the fullness of his father's love unimpeded by any sin or disobedience. And he's saying, that's what I expect of you as my people. I expect you, uh, as an expression of your love for me, to obey my commands. And in so doing, you will remain in the fullness of my love. And now let me be clear, Jesus is not saying uh, that by our sin and disobedience, uh, we'll kind of be cut off from his love altogether altogether. But He's not saying that if you trust in Jesus' death on the cross, you are absolutely secure in his love. As Paul says in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet our sin and disobedience does cause issues in our relationship with Jesus. Just like Gabby and I can be in a deep union with one another as a married couple, and my sin against her doesn't change that. But it does interfere with the relationship, let me tell you. Right, It's the same in our relationship with Jesus. If we want to enjoy the fullness of Jesus' love for us, then we commit to ourselves to a life of obeying him and keeping his commands. And so may this increasingly be true of our church. We give ourselves to obeying the Lord Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. And now with all this talk of obedience, you might think, oh, especially if you're here at church for the first time, uh, you might think, gotcha, you know, I knew it, I came to church, I thought Christians were on about rules and commands and demands, uh, and there it is, it's all about obedience. The Christian life's a drag, it's a drudgery, I'm off, out of here, right? Uh, and But that's not the case at all. Notice what Jesus says in verse 11. He says, I-, I told you all this about obeying my commands so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may May be complete. You see, Jesus is saying that his obedience to his Father wasn't a drag for him. It wasn't a drudgery. It was a delight for him. It was the source of his joy. And he's saying, if you obey my commands, it'll be the same for you. My joy will be in you. Indeed, your joy will be complete. And not because joy is found in ticking boxes and obeying rules, but because What does obeying Jesus' commands mean? It means you remain in his love. You enjoy the fullness of his love. You know that his smile is upon you and he delights in you as his dearly loved child. What could bring more joy to your soul? And in light of that, I reckon it's pretty horrible, frankly. I love being a Presbyterian minister, but I do think it's pretty horrendous that the Presbyterian church is sometimes known as the frozen chosen. I know it's a bit of a, a joke and our colleagues in other denominations might just throw it at us for a bit of fun. But what, what a horrible thing. When Jesus says that he wants his disciples to have his joy, to be full of complete joy, isn't it a bit of a shame that we're sometimes known as being cold and joyless and lifeless? Now, I don't think that's true of DPC. DPC. <laughs> Hopefully you've experienced some joy today if you're here for the first time. But I do, I would love to see us grow in this fruit of joy all the more. As we just kind of meditate on the fact that despite all of our sin and brokenness and failure, Jesus saw us in all our mess and he loved us and as verse 13 says, in his great love for us, he laid down his life for us. That's what causes joy to bubble up in your heart. And, you know, it might even mean that when you're singing a song, you raise a hand or clap a hand, and that would be okay. Like, let me say, I'm fine with that. Uh, Jesus expects to see this fruit of joy uh, in his people, in his church. Uh, And finally, uh, or not quite finally, uh, he says uh, he wants to see the fruit of love in the church. Notice verse 12, my command is this, uh, love each other as I has loved you. A uh, greater love is no one than this, uh, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, I reckon at times in the past 10 years, I said before about some pruning and some learning about my failures and weaknesses, and I think I've probably been rightly criticised in the last 10 years at times of talking too much About the need for selfless sacrificial service, you know, for the cause of the gospel, for the growth of Darabin Presbyterian Church. I've talked a lot about that and I probably haven't nuanced it well enough at times by talking about the need to have sustainable sacrificial service, making it okay to say you can have a break from serving. And so I'm happy to cop that on the chin and many of you have heard me kind of apologise for that already. And yet, this is where my passion for selfless, sacrificial service comes from. Passages like this, where Jesus says, hey, in my great love for you, I selflessly, sacrificially laid down my life for you. And that's how I expect you to love one another. May we as a church continue to bear this fruit of selflessly and sacrificially loving one another. Yes, in ways that are sustainable, that mean we can do it, not just for 10 months, but 10 years. But may we bear this fruit all the more. So that's a fruit of Christian maturity. There might be other things in the passage, but I think it's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of a community that's full of Jesus' words, full of prayer, committed to obedience, growing in the joy of Jesus, loving one another with a costly, sacrificial love. That's the kind of community that I'd love to be a part of. Uh, But there's also the fruit of mission in verse 16. Notice verse 16, Jesus uh, says, You did not choose me, but I chose you uh, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Uh, So in verses 13 to 15, I'm skipping over a little bit, but Jesus said to his disciples, "Uh, Through my death on the cross, you have the incredible privilege, not just of being my servants, but of being my friends. Having a relationship with Jesus uh, in which he shares absolutely everything with you. He holds nothing back. And if you trust in Jesus, that's the kind of relationship uh, that he has with you, that he wants with you. Uh, You are Jesus' friend. Uh, But notice verse 16, the start of verse 16. Jesus says to his disciples, let me be clear, you don't have this privilege of being my friends because you're somehow better than the rest of the people. Because you've earned it or you deserve it. No, you have this privilege because I, in my grace, have chosen you. You did not choose me, Jesus says. I chose you. And why did Jesus choose us? Not just so that we can enjoy all the blessings of being friends with him, but so that we could be appointed to a particular task. What does the task involve? It involves going and seeing fruit, it's a call to mission. Jesus is saying, I saved you to be my friends, to enjoy this wonderful privilege of being my friends, uh, but also so that you could go into the world, share the good news about me, uh, so that we could see the fruit of many, many people coming to know Jesus for the very first time. Going and bearing fruit that will last. That's important to mention. DPC has grown a fair bit from that group of 27 people. Uh, And we have seen some people become Christians in the last 10 years. And that's been far and away the most amazing thing. But we do have to concede that the vast majority of our growth has come about from people who are already Christians moving into this part of Melbourne. I'm not trying to hide that. It's been wonderful. We pray that all those people have been encouraged by joining us. But wouldn't it be great if in this next 10 years we saw even more people, lots of people, coming to know Jesus for the very first time. What does Jesus want for DPC in the next 10 years? I want to say that he wants us to remain in him together, experiencing this deep, life-giving, life-giving connection with him as the true vine, and that we might keep bearing lots of lasting fruit. Uh, please pray with me. Our Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we do praise you for all that you have done in and through DPC in the past 10 years. Uh, We praise you for the evidence that we've seen so far of our church being in deep spiritual connection with Jesus, your son, the true vine, and that has seen us bear fruit in both mission and maturity. And yet, Father, we're so conscious of uh, the ways in which you've been pruning us are the ways in which we long to see even more fruit in these areas of maturity and mission. And so we pray, Father, as you call us to, uh, that you would help us to see even more fruit. And not for our glory, Father, but for we know uh, that this is what glorifies you. We know it's how we show ourselves to be the disciples of Jesus, your son. And so, Father, we pray that you might help us to remain in uh, your son, our Lord Jesus, together and keep bearing lots of, of lasting fruit. Amen.